Last Friday, I bought a gumball machine. I was out walking on a street near my home, and someone was unpacking a crate, and I didn't know what it was, but as I walked by, the the person unpacking the crate uh, spread her arms open and says, is there anything here that, that meets your eye, pleases your eye? And I said, well, actually, there's a shiny red uh, gumball machine about uh, two and a half feet tall. And I said, are you selling the gumball machine? And she said, yes. And we talked a little about it. I went back to get my money because I was empty pocketed at the moment. And when I came back, uh, we, we made the exchange. $10. I got my gumball machine and I'm so looking forward to using it in the days to come. But what I noticed as I was sitting talking and uh, learning how the gumball machine worked, how do you uh, pull the coins out, put gumballs in, that sort of thing. I watched as many other cars would uh, be driving by, they would pull over quickly, get out and come and peruse the objects. And it, it struck me of how it seems very little uh, will draw a crowd more quickly than a yard sale. And I don't know if you're uh, a garage sale person or yard sale and enjoy doing that, but my goodness, how few things seem to draw a crowd like a good yard sale except perhaps someone who might rise from the dead. And what we're going to focus on today indeed is the crowd, one of the crowds that formed after Jesus came back from the dead because when somebody really rises from the dead, crowds form and people are interested and they are wowed by it. You see, crowds gather in churches uh, and through uh, online medium like this, Uh, We gather around the world every week because Jesus has raised from the dead. Jesus has been risen from the dead. One of the first groups, one of the first crowds to gather around the resurrected Jesus, we will see today are the 11 men and and some of the first women at the tomb and the disciples uh, who come. Today we're centering ourselves on the final assignment that Jesus gives. He, he's lived his life. He, he did his three years or so of ministry. He has been executed on a cross. And now, after Resurrection Sunday, he has been showing himself alive for many, many days. And the final group that, that he gathers before him and his final instruction, his final assignment, we will focus ourselves on to that particular group. And it comes in Matthew chapter 28, a familiar passage probably to you. Let me invite you to open your Bibles, turn your Bibles on. If you're watching through our worship platform, there's a Bible option for you even built into the worship platform. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, the very last verses of this gospel, the first gospel uh, uh, in the, the order of the New Testament. Here's what the scripture says about Jesus meeting the disciples, this crowd, after his resurrection. He says, the Bible says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Today I want us to connect to God's mission. I want us to, in a fresh way as a church, to connect with God's mission, to have our hearts 
and our minds connected with God's mission to have our bodies and our feet and our hands and our mouths connected to God's mission. This is so vitally important. Some, the very last assignment that Jesus gives his disciples, those 11, uh, the, the 11 men, all of the, the original 12 minus Judas plus the women and possibly others who were with them. He gives them this assignment, and the assignment is still active. It's still a commission that you and I have today. Often it's referred to as the Great Commission. It is the most important facet of Jesus giving instruction before he ascended back to heaven, and as he's preparing a place for us, uh, as a bridegroom would go in ancient days, prepare a place for his bride, the Bible says that he has promised that he will come back and he will gather up his bride, the church, and, and he will take us to be with him where he is. But he starts by meeting them, not in Jerusalem, where all of the events of his last days, where he was arrested and executed in Jerusalem, he doesn't start by meeting him them with the last meeting in Jerusalem. No, no, no. He says, "Let I'll meet you back on the mountain in Galilee, back at their home base, back where the ministry began. Mark chapter 1 tells us it was in Galilee that he began to call the disciples around the Sea of Galilee. You'll remember that many, uh, some of the first disciples were fishermen around the Sea of Galilee. So he goes back to the beginning, to the starting point, just before he physically departs, although he is still present with us. Uh, his Holy Spirit is present with us. Jesus comes and he meets them in Galilee. Because I think he's wanting to start fresh with them as they now take on the mission that he himself has embodied for three years. He now gives it to them as the church and that mission has been transferred down to us, something that we as a church, Tiburon Baptist Church, this also is our mission. This is your mission, sister and brother uh, in the Lord. He is calling us, I believe, to a fresh start around the mission of God. We as a church have adopted a new mission and new vision for our directing and guiding our life together and doing that in a forward posture that we are to go just like in this mission uh, into the world and to be making disciples. We're going to read and focus more on that. But you'll notice in these first couple of verses of this passage that when they, they saw Jesus who came to them, that some worshipped and some doubted. Isn't that interesting? There were some who were eager and ready to move forward and others that still had their uncertainties, others who still had their questions about what was to come, but that did not change the great mission that Jesus communicates, the great commission that he passes on and entrusts into the hands into the faithful lives, into the faithful exercise of his followers. Jesus declares now, even in the midst of some doubts, into the midst of those uncertainties about what is to come. You and I have uncertainties today about what is to come. Uh, Jesus, Jesus focused on the mission in the midst of all of the doubts, and he still does that today. He keeps the main thing the main thing, and, and let's face it, we know in our world today that we face a lot of serious issues, don't we? There's an election that's upcoming in a very short time. There are so many race 
related issues uh, around the world today and in our country. And uh, some uh, people of, of ethnicities are seeking certain justice. We know that we're living in the time of a COVID pandemic and uncertain about when restrictions will be um, lessened. And as we hear about spikes happening in the virus around the world, it is concerning. There are serious issues, questions about the economy and how it will develop. And of course, in California, we have been continually facing wildfires. And it seems like every week there's a new red flag warning. There are serious issues around us. There were serious issues that these first disciples, this crowd that gathered around Jesus, the resurrected Christ, They faced serious issues of their own. Jesus didn't directly address those issues because there's an overriding mission that he called them into and that he calls you and I into. And it's taking the gospel into the world and communicating the good news of Jesus and introducing people to know and to understand Uh, what it is to be in a full life relationship with Jesus. The main part of God's mission in the world is the gospel. The gospel mission, and this is what he says. He says to go and to make disciples. Go and make disciples. You see, when, when a church keeps that as its focus, to go and to make disciples, the gospel, when the gospel is the centerpiece of a church's life, it, it touches all of these other things, it touches health care and race-related issues and economic factors and all of these other things, but a church cannot focus on those things primarily because a church has been given a mission from Jesus. You and I have been commissioned by Jesus to keep the main thing the main thing, to be focused and laser-focused on this overarching and overriding mission, the gospel presenting it to people, living it together, and and offering it and inviting others into it. A church must focus on making disciples. To make disciples, Jesus says, He says, as you go, go and make disciples. That, That is the imperative of this passage. It's the imperative verb to make disciples. It's not not so much as going. I think the idea is as you go in the midst of your normal life, and certainly... God will call some people with a special calling to go to certain people groups in certain places of the world. And we have some from our church who live and work and are in the midst of making disciples in various places around the globe. Others have been called primarily to look right across the street and to be engaged with the people where God has planted you. But Jesus says to go and make disciples of all people, people who are like you, people who have temperaments like you, people who enjoy the things that you enjoy, to go and make disciples of all nations, people who are not like you, people who have different musical tastes than you and different food tastes than you and different entertainment tastes than you, people who are not like you, who don't see the world like you. God has also called you to those people as well, to all people. Go and make disciples of all nations. He tells us to go and to be baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, that is uh, in reference to calling them into the fullness of life that Jesus offers them. It's, it's a way of understanding how we are to integrate new people into the life of the church, to, to baptize them into the life and flow of the church so that we are able to share life 
together. That's part of the gospel calling. That's why God's focus uh, in his mission to the earth is through the church. It's through the church. That has not changed. We are called as a church to go and make disciples of all nations, people who are like me and you and people who are not like me and not like you. And we're to call to, to incorporate them into the life of the church by baptizing them. And then he says to teach them to obey. We are to guide them through a discipleship by being a living example that your life becomes a living teaching tool. Your life is to be a model for others in the church uh, where they can be encouraged uh, to be a pattern by which they might follow, to give them intellectual support, giving them opportunities to serve. It's teaching them to obey and providing through your life an example of what it is to obey. Why is Jesus meaningful to you? It's offering people an opportunity to give um, articulation to why Jesus is important in your life through the way that you live. And then we're told at the end of these verses that Jesus will be with us to the very end. He is with us to the very end. No matter what pandemics might sweep the globe, no matter what economic downturns might happen, no matter what fills your heart with great fear, no matter what makes your knees shake because you're so uncertain about what tomorrow will bring, Jesus says and He promises that He is with you and with us, with the church. He's with the church to the very end. And the question remains now for us, are we with Jesus? Are we connected to the mission that Jesus has come to give to us? You see, TBC, we have a new mission statement. This is it. Calling Marin and beyond to live in the fullness of life through Jesus. Calling Marin and beyond to live in the fullness of life through Jesus. For our church, this is more than just a nice slogan. It's more than just something to slap on some letterhead. This is something that will guide our thinking and help us give shape to who we understand ourselves to be. And it's pulled and ripped right out of this primary passage of Matthew 28, the great mission of God. So if somebody asks you, what is the mission of God in the world? You can point to Matthew 28 and you can, you can recite the church's mission statement and say, this is how this church is attempting to fulfill the great mission of God. For our church, this is um, a part of it's expressed in, in our four life essentials where we are to be connecting others who are not yet part of the gospel, part of the mission of God. We are to be serving others. We are to be growing in our faith and worshiping. Those are the four life essentials. I'm beginning a new series this week, and it will carry us through the next several weeks, taking one of these four life essentials, the connect. And for us, that is to connect people who today are not involved and engaged. They are not yet connected to the mission of God. They're not yet following in the footsteps of Jesus. And, and I want over the next several weeks to help think how we, you and me and I and us together, how we can be connected to the great mission of God. And that's what I want us to focus on because we must be freshly connected to God's mission. I believe that this is an opportunity for us as a church to step into examining in a fresh way what is God wanting to do in us and through us out of His great mission to Marin County and to the world beyond. 
And this is maybe no better time for us to think about it than right now because you and I are called to make disciples. We are called to make disciples. We must be activated to connect with others around us. And that's part of what I'm intending to do uh, with us as I lead you forward. God is calling us off of the bench and into the game. And so I don't know how active you are in, in connecting other people around you to the good news of Jesus. I remember once when I was younger, in my early, early middle school years, I was probably 12, 13 years old, and I was playing basketball. I was on my basketball team, and uh, my uniform was always too tight. You know, I got the biggest uniform on the team, but it was always overly snug, and I was never one of the better players. And so uh, <clears throat> I think the coach reluctantly put me in, uh, but I was playing, and uh, here we are. We're on the high school basketball court, and, and I remember he called my he, he called my name. He said, Butler, come over here. And I went and stood by him. And I, you know, I fumbled to take my sweats off. And uh, he gave me an assignment and sent me in. I remember, I remember that moment, how uh, getting off the bench, how nervous I was. And I remember that moment, how shaky I was going in. And of course, the ball comes to me and how shaky I was dribbling and how nervous I was. And I didn't quite know what to do. So I just stopped and I wanted to pass the ball as quickly as I could. It's like it was a hot potato and I couldn't get rid of it fast enough because I didn't want to fumble or fail and how inconsistently I played. I, I remember lining up for a free throw. I don't know how in the world I got fouled, but here I was on the free throw line and, and I had so miserably failed at shooting free throws earlier in the game that I decided I, I can't, I might as well try something else. So I, I leaned back, cocked my arm like a football at a baseball throw and I threw it at the basket and I totally missed the entire basket. It sailed over the basket, and there was a, a, a ramp leading out into the uh, external corridors of the arena. And there the ball goes flying up through there, and there was about a four-minute pause to retrieve the basketball. And so now is adding embarrassment uh, and shame upon my, my lack of basketball skill at that moment. But you know what happened is that I persisted in basketball. And I never became great at it. But, you know, I worked hard and I would sweat a lot and uh, I listened to the coach. And over time, I began to grow. And I never was a great basketball player, but I learned my part. I learned where I could help the team. And I learned the, the few things that I could do well. And I was a pretty good rebounder. And so I, I learned to focus on, on rebounding and playing defense. I quit trying to shoot baskets and I quit trying to do uh, dribbling of the ball. But uh, I could do what I did because I worked hard and I grew because I didn't give up in it, even though I started off really nervous and shaky. You see, I believe that we're in a season as a church where we can freshly connect ourselves with the mission of God, where we and you and I are called, I believe, to freshly renew our commitment to the mission of God. Not just my commitment to this church, but am I going to be engaged in the weeks and months and years ahead to fulfilling the thing that God last spoke to us? That Jesus, when he gathered that crowd and his last words were the, to them to go and to make disciples, I want to renew my commitment to that most urgent and most important of God's mission to set our attention on the lost around us. Those who today are not in a personal relationship with Jesus. To set our, our attention on the lonely. Those who are so desperately seeking 
to be connected in real friendship and relationship that's meaningful, to be connected and turning our attention to the hurting in our communities. And I believe that uh, there are five things that are going to help us do that, and I want to walk through those really quickly this morning to help us refresh our focus on being connected to the mission of God. If we're going to connect other people to the living Jesus, I think we need to start with refreshing and renewing our commitment to the mission of God. And here's some ways I think that will help us. Number one is by praying, by prayer, by prayer. And and I have in mind that we're going to spend several weeks together in prayer. And uh, you're going to be hearing starting next week about something I'm calling prayer one by one. Prayer one by one, it's coming. And you're going to hear more about it next week. But it is so essential if, we, if we're going to let God's Spirit renew our hearts on the great mission of God, it must be underlaid with prayer. And so you're going to hear more about how we're going to be doing that in the, in the days to come starting next week. Uh, it takes perspective. If you and I are going to engage ourselves in the mission of God, it takes having the perspective of what God says is true of a follower of Jesus. And here's what he says, and I'm going to spend a Sunday preaching on 2 Corinthians chapter 5 about uh, the, the ministry of reconciliation that God has given to you and to me. Because in that passage, God says that you and I are co-workers with him, that we work with God into the world in order to connect those who were separated from God to help call them into this new life that Jesus offers. We are told that we are representatives of Jesus in the world, in your world. And so we're going to spend some time. But it takes prayer, but it also takes a perspective. It takes understanding and having the perspective of yourself that God has of you. And part of that perspective is that you are a representative of Jesus into the world. Number three is about practice. Just like in basketball, I practiced and practiced and um, I learned the things that I could do well and the things that I didn't do so well. But I persisted in it and I didn't give up. But practicing, becoming more like the woman at the well in John chapter 4, she, what I find so great about that, that passage is so beautiful and wonderful in the way Jesus healed her and spoke to her and called her into life and gave her this new water, this living water to drink. But do you remember what happened at the end of that passage? She goes back to her home, back to her community. And she goes around a community where she did not have a great reputation. A community where she was kind of unviewed as an outcast and, and someone who was not uh, one that you wanted to be a friend with or spend time with. But she goes back to her community and she says, come and see this man, Jesus, because I have discovered something amazing in him. You see, that is part of just practicing what it is to engage people. And, and as we practice that, we pray and we're going to learn how to pray about this next week and we're going to do some prayer together over the next many weeks through the rest of this year we're going to be praying about this together. And then it requires a perspective to view yourself as a representative of God. And then it takes practice. It just takes opportunities for you to be engaged and in, in working on ways of it, engaging the people around you. It takes patience. It will require patience from all of us and persistence because it's a long season to come. And finally, it takes love. It takes 
both a love of God and a love for people who don't yet know the person of Jesus. And it requires that of you and me. Your love for Jesus and that he has commissioned you and me, us together as a church, to be engaged in this great mission of God. You see, we have an unmistakable commission from Jesus to join him in his work in the world. And here's the thought, the question I want to leave you with today. That this is a season that I'm asking if you will join me in refreshing your yes to the mission of God. Will you today and this week pray about refreshing your yes? Refresh your yes to the mission of God. And let us move forward into the great new season that I believe God has in store for us. Living God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this reminder of the great mission that you have, the mission that you've commissioned us to engage in. And I pray in the weeks to come that you will stir our hearts, you will focus our minds, that you will guide our feet and our hands, and that we would draw close to your heart. And we would engage ourselves, that you would refresh a desire and a partnership together for the great mission that you are doing in the world and that we would see Marin County and the Bay Area transformed for the cause of Jesus. It's a work that you must do and it's a work that you want to do with us as your co-workers. So guide us in that we pray now. Jesus, may your light shine forth around us in the days, weeks, and months to come. Amen.